welcome to the Nerd Party. Scully? Yes? Marry me. I love you and I like you. I love you and I like you. I love that woman. I love her more than sharks love blood. I love you. I know. Hello, I'm Tristan Riddell. And I'm the girl. And this is Nerd Nuptial. If this is your first time listening, we are a married couple looking at life through a nerdy lens. How are you doing? We're good. We just got done finishing Mindhunter Season 2. Season 2, and Mm -hmm. that is what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. And we've been itching, itching (laughs) to talk about this show, let alone watch the show. Yeah. Would you agree that this was your favorite show of last year, Season 1? Oh, yeah, definitely. it came out last year, right? It feels like it was forever ago. I know it does, right? Did Wait, it didn't come out in 2016. It came out in 2017. I mean, oh, wait, no, I'm a year off. Like, 2016. It, it came out in 2018, right? 2018, yeah. I think so. 2016 is a while ago. That was a while ago. My goodness. <laughs> I am so, so out of it. But um, for those of you who uh, who don't know, if this is your first time listening, we are huge David Fincher fans. Mm-hmm. He's our favorite director. And he directed several episodes of the season first three episodes two, yeah, which is season two. We didn't realize that going in, so that was really exciting. Yeah, absolutely, and it's uh, it was like when season one aired or dropped. I guess you need to say in the Netflix era, <laughs> we we were super excited because you and I, and I want to say this. I mean, we love material on serial killers. Yes. I like I hate it when people say, Oh, I love serial killers. No, 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 no. No, no. That's not how that works. Right. We right. We do not love serial killers. We no. love material on right. serial killers. Right. It's fascinating. Yes, we find it fascinating. We find the hunt for the serial killer fascinating. Mm-hmm. The psychological profile, the good guys overcoming evil that is serial killers. Right. That's what we enjoy. Right. It's not some sort of sick and twisted bull crap that you see mm-hmm. online where people are like oh my god ted bundy's so hot shut up Ugh. you're disgusting <laughs> you disgust me that you're not going to find any of that here. no no we're just you know i think season one we really appreciated the way that they told the story of basically how they started defining serial killers and the fact that that didn't exist before then is just kind of fascinating because it's such a part of our culture now and mm-hmm. just you know, we always talk about serial killers as, you know, like, oh, well, they didn't have a term for that back. Yeah, even the terminology. Yeah, they didn't just even the have ter- a term, yeah. yeah. Just the term serial killers. Right, and even the idea of like, well, let's categorize these people, why they're doing what they're doing or their background or, you know, the type of killings that they're doing. So um, season one was, we love season one. It was fascinating. Yeah, I, I feel like all the actors just did an absolutely amazing job mm-hmm. from, you know, Groff, who played Holden, to um, the guy who played Tench mm-hmm. and Anna Torv. Um, they just, they were the dream team. Like, yeah, the, the absolutely. Th- the three of them together yes. was just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And I think they really propelled the show forward now. Season and it w- felt like Fincher... They yes, they had the essence did. of Fincher, you know, the the deeper tones and just like the, the content the, and the it, the writing was the darker colors. Yes, yeah. exactly. So uh, we were completely on board for that season. Yeah, I think that was one thing that we really dug about House of Cards when it first dropped 
was the first couple of episodes, you could tell like, they, oh yeah, this is a Fincher show. Right. They're trying to make the show look like Fincher. Right. And um, it was funny because I think Fincher stopped, be- like with House of Cards, Fincher stopped being like heavily involved by season three of House of Cards. And you could absolutely tell. Oh, yeah. You could really, really tell. And uh, in everything, in yeah. everything, like in style, direction, tone, writing, everything. Uh, and with season two, you could, you're, you were, when you first started watching, you're just kind of like, oh, okay, thank goodness. Like it's clearly it's Fincher because he's the one directing the first yeah, three episodes. Right. And then of, of, you're talking about Mindhunter. Of Mindhunter, excuse mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And, but as Mindhunter was going on, you started seeing the style change up a little bit more mm-hmm. and you're just like, oh, we're getting further Different and further directors. from Fincher. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it's very interesting. But I still feel like his hand is in this one, obviously. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, with season two, like, what were you hoping to see when you when we first... Actually, we first heard that season two was was happening mm-hmm. before we saw anything. You know, like, they, yeah. they really don't promote Mindhunter that much. No, they don't. Not at all, which is interesting. Um It makes you wonder how popular it is be- yeah. because we love it so much and we were like anticipating it so much <laughs> um but maybe it's not as popular as we think but we're still going to talk about it because we love it <laughs> uh yeah i i basically when we ended season one i was like well this is just fa- so fantastic because there's so many serial killers to interview so let's just get more of season one and i feel like that tends to be our answer for a lot of things that we love it's true um where it's like okay you did a really good job in season one just keep doing what you're doing that's why we liked <laughs> deadpool 2 so much because right. it's basically just more it's the of same deadpool thing one. right it's the same thing so uh yeah that's what we wanted um what about you i yeah i was probably probably the same yeah, I, I was just more interviews with I serial killers. I loved season one so much. There was just there were so many great interactions, and I think the only thing I really didn't dig on in season one was Holden's girlfriend, <laughs> and she wasn't going to be in season two. So right. I'm like, that's a win-win. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, it was. Um, I was pretty much the same as you. I was just like, just give me more. Just, like I said, give me more interviews. Mm-hmm. Just. Give me the same amount of interviews. Make them just as in depth. Mm-hmm. Just keep them coming, yeah. and, and I'll be happy. Because definitely the Kemper interviews were the most fascinating oh from gosh. season one. So I mean Such that a actor, star. yeah, so fantastic. So it was like, okay, if you can give us more like that, that'd be fantastic. Um, but then the trailer came out, and uh, it made me a little nervous because it was all about child murders. It, it seemed mm-hmm. um, from the trailer. So that was a little bit like, uh, like, I mean, yes, we totally understand, you know, like serial killers kill all different types of people. But the fact that it was about child murders, it's like, it's just that feeling of like, oh, I don't know about this. And and like, you know, in season one, it definitely dealt with all types of murders. Mm -hmm. But with season two, it looked like there was going to be a heavy focus specifically on child murders and a lot of child murders. Right. And with us being parents now. I mean, you don't have to be a parent no. to, um, <laughs> to to have feelings to empathize right. towards that, but it just it it makes us wary to watch the material. That's what we mean. Right. Not like, oh, well, we feel it more. We're not saying that. We're saying that it's it just hits us a little differently now. Yeah, that we're parents. Absolutely, that's all that I mean. Yeah, and it's a 
and so that I was worried about that. But at the same time, that Mindhunter was kind of made a name for itself in not showing things. Mm, mm-hmm. And I was glad to see that they continued doing that. Where in season two, it was all discussion and some photos. There was even less gruesome. There was way less gruesome photos yeah. in season two. It's true, as opposed to season one. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of saw some aftermath and talked about it. And even the aftermath was very hidden. And I think that season two, in terms of gore or grotesque conversation or description of events, was even less intense than season one. And I'm not saying that as a bad thing. Yes, and yet the content of it being children, it's almost like they compensated in that way because, Mm. you know, there's some really disturbing incidents of murder in it that kind of kind of prey on your mind so they didn't need to show anything for you to think about it at night um so i i do think that they are very tactful though of how much they show in the show and i really do respect that because it's still powerful and you still understand what happened uh without showing us all these gory photos and in a day and age when streaming has introduced uh like Streaming was the new wave of HBO and Cinemax and everything like that, where there was no FCC. There, no, that's not the right word. Like, there's no, there's no <laughs> there's ratings. Less rules. Yeah, there's yeah. less rules. Like, you can do whatever the hell you want. And a lot of streaming shows just out of the gate were just like shows on HBO, where it just went over the top because you can. Because you can, and that's the thing. So much, so much crap that's on the air is because you can. It doesn't motivate plot. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not motivated by a plot. It doesn't push the story forward. It's just like, oh, well, we can show a, a death orgy, so let's just go ahead and do that. Right. Because there's no censors. And so it's showing restraint is the new bold mm-hmm. in the in the age of streaming. Yeah. And my, there were so many times when even little things where... Um, and I'm not spoiling anything here, but in season two, there was a character who was shot in the in the head or face multiple times and survived. And he had a lot of reconstructive surgery. Mm-hmm. And the director, I can't remember if it was Fincher or not. I think it was I Fincher. I think it was Fincher. Um, he was in the backseat of a car and the two people in front weren't looking at him because they didn't want him to look. He didn't want him to see him. And the camera did not show him. It was either blurred or shadow or the or, reflection of the window or reflection of a window or his head was turned and i thought it would have been so easy to get some grotesque quote-unquote grotesque points to show his mm-hmm. face right and they didn't it was even though we're dealing with i don't know if this person was based on a real person or not um he probably was because it was yeah. oh it was a btk killer yeah, so yeah BTK. it would have been based on somebody real it was even though it was a fictional portrayal it felt respectful it did. It did. Absolutely. And I think that maybe that's why they are so tactful with what they show and they don't show because these are real people who did die and serial killers that did kill. So, you know, that line of not, you know, being disrespectful to the dead, but also not immortalizing these killers that probably just wanted the attention to begin yeah. with, you or know, I think, myth. yeah, creating a myth type of thing. So, I think that it, it's really interesting how they handle that type of material. Right. I for think, sure. I think that's a really um, astute observation. I think the, just the sheer fact that we're not, we're dealing with fictionalized versions mm-hmm. of events because we're dealing with 
um, fictional characters based on real people. Right. So you still have that aspect where you bring in their personal lives, you bring in their personalities and things like that, but they're still dealing with real world events. Right. Real world victims. And that is important. Absolutely. Yeah. To understand that distinction mm -hmm. because you do something that's, I mean, you can get away with a whole lot more in the girl with the dragon tattoo than you can with Zodiac. Right. In that terms, because in dragon tattoo, you're not dealing with real people. In Zodiac, you are dealing with real victims. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think Fincher does that, right? Like when it comes to fiction, I think he goes a little bit more extreme. But in Zodiac, it was very, well, that's not true. No. <laughs> that's not true. It's been a while since you've seen Zodiac. <laughs> okay. I don't like Zodiac as much, so <laughs> that's well, probably it's, why. <laughs> there, okay. So here's the thing is that like maybe that wouldn't have been, maybe that wasn't the best example that I gave you because Zodiac <laughs> does get pretty gruesome. But... Nope, I can't defend nope, it. Nope, you can't defend it. That I, was I, just wrong. I, I totally lose my point. I'm not even going to try to backpedal. I was just straight up Anyway, wrong. it was season two. Anyway, season two of Mindhunter. <laughs> totally um, wrong. Yes, but we respect that um, because I think that that does go to the fact that like we're not looking to see gory details. We're just interested in the, the human story of it. Yes, the, the psychological mm -hmm. aspects of it. Right. Why do they do what they do? How the BSU is thriving, how they're changing, right. uh, what they're doing and everything like that. It's, uh, yeah, that like to see Anna Torv's character again, the, the psychological perspective, mm -hmm. uh, Tench's character, you know, like being a manager, like he's, you know, he's, he's Holden's boss, but sometimes he doesn't always act like it because he needs to let him do what he needs to do. Right. Except, except when he gets out of line, we got a new BSU director that's really fascinating and interesting. Yeah, Gund or something. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Gunner or? Gun? Gund? Tim Gunn? I don't know. <laughs> that would be an interesting show. That's season three. <laughs> Tim Gunn runs the BSU. It, uh, Yeah, it's just I felt like they were interesting new developments. And I feel like you can't really talk about it without spoiling things. Yeah, it's So we true. probably need to get into it. We probably do. And so if you haven't seen season two, I mean, we, we, when these seasons drop, we try to watch them as fast as possible while still enjoying them uh, <laughs> to get you this review as soon as, as soon as we can. I know that we, it's been spotty over the past couple of weeks. We've, we've talked to you guys as to why that's going on. And it's, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, save this episode and uh, listen to us later. Uh, but we want to, uh, before we get into spoiler territory, we want to know what you think of season two. Mm -hmm. So uh, please go to And the did you like season one? And did you like season one? Did you like season one more? Did you like season two more? What were some of your favorite moments? Did they not handle something well, in your opinion? Or did they handle something better than you thought they would, in your opinion? Absolutely. Go to the nerdparty.com slash contact. Select Nerd Nuptial from the drop-down menu. Fill out the form. It'll send us an email, and we, we want to hear from you guys. We're also all over social. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Our Twitter handle is join the nerd party. Also, girl, we have a five-star review. Oh. And uh, we forgot to mention it on the last podcast, so we have some catching up to do. It is from Honey with three Y's, <laughs> and it just says, we stand Tristan and the girl. <laughs> and well, thank you. I had to tell you what Stan meant. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Stan means, uh, it, it means you're a fan of someone, but in an extreme way, because that always surprises me. I know it's uh, like, not a lot of people know where this came from, um, but 
fan, I mean, fan is short for fanatic. Mm-hmm. And so to go even more extreme than that is is pretty crazy because Stan is from a guy who ended up, uh, who loved Eminem so much, he killed himself and his wife. Oh, gosh. So it's just, it's a fake Thank story. Thank you. Thankfully. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a fake story. Oh, Okay. But I think that's one of those things where it just pops up online and people start using it where it just means, oh, it just means you're a fan of something. <laughs> and then you find out the reason of wh- where the term came from. You're like, oh, my gosh. Because we're, we're older millennials and we have to Google that. Yeah. Yeah. To Google Figure out what, what is going on. On UrbanDictionary.com. Right. I don't even know if people still use that anymore. <laughs> Back in the MySpace days. <laughs> But thank you very much. Thank you, honey, with yes, three Y's. Thank you. We really appreciate yeah. it. And uh, if uh, if you want to be awesome like honey, then uh, please uh, write us a review. If you give us a five-star review, we'll mention you on the show. You can give us whatever review you want, but five stars gets you a mention on the show. Please go to Apple Podcasts if you can. And if you give us a review outside of Apple Podcasts, make sure to uh, screenshot it or send it to us or send us an email, direct us towards it, and we'll mention you Absolutely. From there. All right, shall we go into spoiler territory? Yes. Okay. Okay. So, because this is based on real events, it's it's you know, it's hard to spoil certain outcomes, but there I mean, it's historical outcomes, but you can we can spoil things that happen in the show between the characters. Right. So, if you if you're listening this far, we're assuming you've seen it. Right. So, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Uh, what was what was the thing that you liked the most about season 2 so far? I didn't even know why I said so far. We've seen the whole thing. <laughs> We've seen the whole thing. Um, it was probably the moments when it felt more like season one, where um, Holden and Tench were together. Um, Bill and Holden were together because I think that that's really what made season one so enjoyable was kind of seeing them go off of one another and especially in an interrogation type situation where they were. Um, in I think in season Two, it was more actually them interrogating people, whereas in season one, it was them interviewing subjects. Mm-hmm. So it was just interesting for it to see more of like their cop side or like, you know, maybe their beginnings. Um, but I definitely wish that we had seen more of that because that was what made season one so great in my mind. Yeah, you could definitely tell that they were, I mean, that was a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they were trying something new or they were trying to move away from what they did in season one or just not repeat themselves so it's not just the same yeah. thing over and over again. But I I missed it. Yeah, I, I did too. Really, I, really I want to go back it. and watch season one now. And season two, I don't know. I don't know if I would feel a need to... I won't feel as much of a need to watch it again. I I I didn't think about that until you said that. And I feel the same way. I, I feel like season two is good. Yeah. I think it delivered. I thought it was interesting. I thought the the performances were great. I love that we focus more on Tinch and his family more than Holden. I feel like you definitely yeah. focused on Holden's season pers- one in season one and yeah. his interrelationships. And everything yeah, like that. yeah. And you still got Tinch's family life in season one, but he was by far the person that they focus on the most. Yes. I mean, when you saw. The advertisement in the trailer for season two, there was a Rorschach design mm-hmm. with the characters and Tench was dead center. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that, I was just like, wait, 
like you'd think that Holden would be right. front and center because no, he was, was very much the lead in season one. Tench. This was his season. This was his season. Yeah. And I think that maybe part of it, I know this sounds kind of weird and I don't know, but maybe it's because of the content that I wouldn't want to watch it necessarily again, just because it does deal with like the heartache of child murders and like, not that there's not heartache with any kind of murder. Don't get me wrong here. Um, but because it was like an ongoing investigation, yeah. it felt a lot more heavy and a lot more stressful um, than when they were just for academic purposes going to these serial killers who had killed years prior. Yeah, it's already happened. It's already happened. They're already in jail They're already, for it. They, there's closure, right? Like they have they have been punished for their crime. Whereas the fact that there were uh, the ongoing murder of um, the Atlanta children, you know, that that's a lot to deal with. And every time like the news popped up and it was like another Mm -hmm. child, you can see like them just like their heart sank and you did too with them because what they were doing was not working. And so that frustration level, whereas, you know, there's definitely more conflict in this season. Um, Whereas season one was much more like, all right, we're just going to get in the car and drive across the country and interview these really weird, messed up people and have these weird interactions. Whereas season two felt much more like your heart was in it. Like you're like, oh, and especially Tench's family situation with their child. Like, I mean, I can't even fathom like that situation i think that that's why like having a kid and even if you don't have a kid like fathoming having someone in your family let alone your child participating in a murder is is like that is just like too much to put my head around so i'm like i don't know if i want to revisit that storyline that actually because i can't wrap my head around it didn't bother me that much. Oh, it bothered me immensely. Be like because it is so, f- it is so crazy to me. It is so far out of left field. I can't even imagine it happening within my own circle. That is how crazy it is to me. Okay. I'm not saying like I'm saying to me. I it I I was just kind of I felt bad for Tench. Yeah. I felt bad for the family. Obviously. It was a horrible situation, but that was one of those times where I was able to go, it's fiction. You know, it's okay. Interesting. Interesting. See, for me, that was too, like, you know, the idea that they, you know, they couldn't have their own child, you know, which was something we dealt, well, we, we were able to have our own child, but like, you know, we had trouble conceiving and then they went to adoption and um, just, you know, and then once they they finally had their baby that they wanted and then this whole situation happens where you know they're having to go to social workers all the time and mm-hmm. you know basically prove that their parents are they're they're good enough parents for this child and you know not to have a repeat situation happen you know and thankfully he wasn't like directly involved but still enough that you're like yeah. it completely you, your if, whole life changes cuz if he did it like if he committed the murder, then we would have just written him off as a character. Right. We would have been like, oh, well, this kid needs to be in a padded cell. You know, he needs to be with a, a psychiatrist 24-7. But because he was a passive observer. Right. We were like, okay, well, what's wrong? Like 
if you are he's not right he's not right but, but how can we get him help how can we fix this exactly um yeah and just that like the it kind of reminds me whenever I watch, um, I think it's like maybe season two of Breaking Bad, where um, Skylar and just and um, Walt are just their marriage is just falling apart. Like you know, the cancer is going on, and you know they're just not communicating. Like when I watched that for the first time, I was like seriously depressed, and. It just because you get so involved with the characters that you're watching and especially when you do binge a show and that's how I watched Breaking Bad and this is how we're watching, mm-hmm. you know, Mindhunter, I feel like I get to like, I put myself in that situation and like what would I, how would I handle that and how, you know, there was a line that Tench said where he was like talking about the situation. He's like, and I'm trying to keep together a marriage to a woman I love. Like Mm -hmm. they still love each other, right? but they were put in this horrible situation and they still love their kid, but how do they fix it? You know, like that is just, it's so much to grasp. And when she, I think what hit me across the face was when she had that moment where of brutal honesty with, uh, with Tinch, where she said, I had a moment where, I was looking at him after uh, drying him off in the bath, and I said, "Thank God he's not really mine." Yeah, that is horrible. You know she doesn't. Horrible. You know she didn't enjoy thinking that. No, but she had that thought. But she had that thought. And like she had to like get it out that that crossed her mind. That he like he's broken not because of anything that's broken in her. Right. Biologically. Right. Like her body's not broken. That passed it on to his broken body. That kind of thing. But and that just goes to show the weight of the mother mm-hmm. because it's just different. I, I think it's different for a father in some ways because I have no idea. I don't well, <laughs> No, I'm just, no, I'm saying like in that respect of a mother, like you, you've carried this child inside mm-hmm. of you. And so, you know, there's always that question of like, okay, did, did I eat right? You know, did I, did I take care of myself while I was, you know, keeping this child alive inside me? And now I need to keep this child alive outside of me and, mm-hmm. you know, like, and also then make them into a good human being. Did I watch Reservoir Dogs too many times <laughs> while I was carrying him? Right. Um, whereas, you know, she doesn't have, she, she's able to kind of like look past that part, but in, in a kind of a guilty way almost mm. too. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot on, on her shoulders. I I hear people talk like you. Okay. About like feeling the weight of a character and their situation. And there have been times when I've seen a movie and I've cried. You know, like I've let tears fall mm-hmm. down because I've connected. Mm-hmm. Like with uh, when we, the first movie we watched when we got home from the hospital uh, oh. was Arrival with Amy Adams. Yeah. And it was about her losing her daughter. Right. And I'm like, oh, great. Okay, here comes the tears. Right. Here come the waterworks. Right. You know, there's been times like that. But I've never watched a show and carried it with me. Really? Never. And I, I was talking- I don't know about that. With, I think that you might be underestimating. No. No? No, like-, like You can't put, you don't put yourself in that situation? I think I do, but I'm able Mentally? like I turn it off and then I'm I'm back to going to work and getting a donut. You know, like I uh like lots of people give Breaking Bad as an example, the same example that you gave. Mm-hmm. Like there was multiple people that I worked with 
when the show was on the air, I said, I was like, hey, did you watch this episode? Did you watch, watch that episode? They're like, no, I had to give it up. It was too stressful. Yeah, too it stressful. was very stressful. And uh, Breaking Bad was never stressful for me. That's so interesting. It, hmm. It's just the power of fiction is also its downfall for me. Hmm. Like, I love fiction so much. Like, I, I, need, I should read and consume more nonfiction, but I don't. <laughs> um, but I love a good story and I love storytelling um, because I think it's a powerful thing that can motivate people, can, um, can make you think, can make you sure. act. It can make you put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Yeah. And I love that. But at the same time, I'm like, eh, it's fiction. Like, it's, it's not real. It's not really happening right now. Hmm. Like the end of Black Klansman when Spike Lee used um, all that all that footage from the Tiki Torch, you know, mm-hmm. Nazi protests and everything like that, mm-hmm. and then he showed um, the that person get killed mm-hmm. by the car, mm-hmm. like, and then like he spliced all together and like, um, you know, all the news footage and all of the and all the interviews of people, you know, screaming and saying they're killing us. I, I was I was crying. Mm-hmm. I'm positively crying at the end of that movie because that really happened mm-hmm. and, and it's happening now and it's happening now mm-hmm. and so that will always affect me like real life things will always affect me um on a much deeper visceral level than fiction okay but again like i said it doesn't mean that fiction doesn't touch me or doesn't motivate me or move me i will i'll connect with a fictional i'll connect with a fictional dog you know, that can talk and find its way home, um, but just not in the same way. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you're giving yourself enough get, credit do, in that can way. Can you think of some examples where maybe I did? You know me better than anybody. Well, I think I think the thing is is that I can't like right off the top of my head like put on my, put me out of the spot. But I'm saying I, I think that it does influence you a little bit more than you're giving it credit for. But at the same time. I do understand how you're able to compartmentalize a little bit more than maybe I am. Yes. Yes, that's true. Because I, I, f- I feel like uh, even fiction, if that, that thought isn't like hasn't entered into my head before and then it is put there, then I might dwell. Like I, I do dwell on it more than you do. Like what? Do you have well, an example like, of that? Like, like the situation where, you know, let's go back to season two where, you know, the fact that, even though like um, Tench is a fictional character based on, you know, several different people in the FBI at the time, mm-hmm. um, just the idea of like what they were going through as a couple, like that made me sad. And like I, I made me like think, oh, well, what if something like that happened to us? Yeah. You know, what? how would we deal with that? So I, I feel like maybe I do put myself immediately into those situations when those things arise where I'm like, whoa, like they're dealing with it this way. Is that how I would deal with it or is it another way? Well, yeah, I can understand that. And I, I feel those empathize, things too. Yeah. I empathize and I ask those questions. But when I go to work, like I'm at my computer, I'm not like slumped over thinking, oh man, what's Bill going to do? How's he going to well, get out of I'm this? Well, I'm not doing that. I'm just <laughs> saying that in the moment, like I don't think I'd want to watch that season again because I would have to relive that like, and think about that again. Like, 
I guess my way of compartmentalizing is not watching the season again. <laughs> well, I, I'm with you on that, but not because like not for the same reasons. I just feel like season one is more entertaining than season two. I think it mm-hmm. has more rewatch value because of the interviews where right. now we talked about how the interviews had discovery and there was much more fo- like that episode was the interview was that episode like that was a big chunk of the episode what, what, what whatever interview? interview it was in season oh one. yes okay like, was like, like what that was the main focus we're like we're gonna go see this person right we're gonna interview this person we're gonna interview spec like, we're gonna maybe interview even kemper. multiple times right kemper several times yeah and the foot okay. fetish this guy multiple times mm-hmm and in season two, the interviews were almost an afterthought. Like it was something that was like in their way. Right. It was like, like well, we'll get to this and let's go. We'll get to this eventually. Like Bill and Holton um, just kind of, you know, like pushed it off to the side in order to do real world activities. And I feel like there was, it was such a, like the names of Son of Sam and Manson are so huge that you would think that they would have made it into a bigger deal. And, and they barely spent any time with them. Yeah. And it was it felt like, oh, you guys phoned it in. You know, like Yeah, like, like not only did the show phone really it in. Interesting. Yeah. The characters phoned yeah, it in. Yeah, like everyone did. I mean Yeah, it just felt it felt very like I felt kinda like we were robbed of those interviews. And there were even two interviews with Holden and the guy from Atlanta. I can't remember his name. He almost got the job in season one and then nepotism uh, made it so he didn't get the job and he was interviewing with with holden with two mm-hmm. people oh henley the henley Hen- guy is that his name wait no that was the one where olivia uh olivia <laughs> olivia that's <laughs> <Anna> <laughs> from fringe yeah, yeah. on a character um she she interviewed henley i think no I, like i'm yeah. talking about the the agent the fbi agent oh okay the, the african-american okay. FBI yeah agent. yeah yeah mm-hmm. um like there were two times in a row holden's character gave up the interview and was just yeah. like okay fine whatever and then closed it right and then this character picked it back up and actually learned something right and i'm like well where are you yeah what we're watching this show for you to do this like it was <laughs> i felt like his superior officer like who the hell do you think you are? This right. is your job. Right. Do your job. Yeah. I want to watch you do your job. Yeah. And we didn't get that. Mm-mm. And in season, you mentioned this, but in season one, it was all about interviewing. And then they ended it with like two episodes of practice, like putting their, um, their template to work, like putting what they've learned to field practice. And it was like two episodes, one mystery. And in season two, it felt like it was mostly that. Mm-hmm. It was mostly the child murders. And like you said, it went on so long and so there were so many murders. And it didn't even give us any solution or right. resolution. Well, yeah, I mean, it did, but it didn't, right? No. Like, so, you know, we were talking off air. And, um, you know, if you're going to have, if you're going to change up the show from interviews to basically solving a case, then you have to have some resolution in the case that you have them solve because first of all, you know, it was a heart wrenching case with the child murders, but then, you know, they, they didn't really like the guy they arrested wasn't actually like in real life, wasn't charged with like, those are still not solved. Those crimes Mm -hmm. are still not solved. So it's just really frustrating. And I even, we even talked about the BTK killer, like the BTK, um, he, 
you know, to use him as like a framing device that like throughout we see him season one and season two is an odd choice as well. Yeah. You know, just because, you know, yes, they're searching for him. But those people but are not going to find no, him. No, because if you, you know, look up BTK, you find out much, much later, like by accident, he, yeah, yeah is revealed. So it was, it's like, again, it's like, well, why are you choosing these people that, you know, and maybe part of it is the fact that, you know, like Kemper said, like good serial killers get away with it. I, I well, I, the, the way that he said it was actually genius. He says, he says he's, it sounds like you're base every you're basing everything you know off of serial killers who've been caught. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, the most yeah. interesting interview of season two was Kemper. And we and see it was a passing, a passing uh, little interview. And it was like, no, like you know what? Give me more him again, then. <laughs> it's true, and I mean, I know that some people are saying like, well, you know, the the Atlanta child murders actually happened and it's not like they can change the ending. We're not saying that. No. What we're saying is choose something that can give us actual resolution right. to a season because I know that some t- I know that some people might disagree with me here where it's just like, well, in real life, you don't always get a, a, a solution. You don't always get a resolution, i.e. like the Atlanta child murders. Right. Well, that's very true. But we're also dealing with serialized television here. We're dealing mm-hmm. with a television show that is meant to entertain and have story structure. And a when you have something like this, resolution is good. Resolution is key. Right. Even if it's minor, even if the person gets away, that's okay. Mm-hmm. There's got to be some sort of resolution. In season one, I mean, it ended with Holden having a panic attack because Kemper tries to hug him. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's genius. That's right. amazing. And but previously they catch their killer. They put their practice to work in the field and it works. And in this one, they put their practice to work and it doesn't work. Right. And well, it, it kind of works, it but it kind of works, but not really. Right. And so if you're going to do that for an episode or two, that's fine where it doesn't work. But it was but so many episodes. Don't give me like over half the season of this mm-hmm. and then it not work. Right. Or at least not. It's just it, it's like we said it, we totally get that's what happened. Totally understand. But as a viewer, think about your audience and think about what they liked about season one mm-hmm. and, and reward them in some way, shape, or form with some resolution. Also, we got, I was expecting to get a little bit more of Anna, Anna Torp's character. Yeah, they kind of, they completely separated her and. Um, she was barely with she them. She was barely with them. And I really enjoyed the three of them together. And. Um, and also, they gave her a relationship, like an interesting relationship, and yeah. then took it away hard. Yeah, and she was like a jerk. She was hard on that woman. Yeah, at she Amazon, was. she was she was so hard on her. No, and like you were like, okay, like you know, give give her some, you know, give her a relationship. Awesome, cool. And then, like, what was the point? <laughs> uh, yeah, I have no idea what the point is. Just but to like, give her something to do. If they gave like Holden season one and Tench season two, maybe she'll be the main focus season three. Maybe because it was interesting with her interview, like her, which she wasn't supposed to be doing, like having an interview uh, with, um, I think it was Hunley at the time, mm-hmm. and she succeeded um, in her interview to a point, and that was interesting, like to see that you know she was successful in the field, but we didn't really focus on that. No. So 
you know, and and there were moments that were interesting where, she, you know, clearly because she was an academic, she was maybe put in her place or because she's a woman, she wasn't quite fitting in or because or, you know, like people are hitting on her because she is a woman, which is, you know, something women have to do with all the time. And uh, even though it's supposed to be a professional environment, oh my God. but I feel like they didn't really know what to do with her for the most part. It felt a little disconnected. It felt a mm-hmm. little... Like not only was she not with them or even like researching or analyzing what they're doing. Right. So she like she had nothing to so do. So she's literally just waiting. With the Atlanta child murder. She mm-hmm. she didn't do a single thing no. for them. Uh, and then she has a relationship that's not tied in with anything else right. or even related back to anything else. And then they take it away at the last minute with uh with prejudice. It's weird. Yeah. I don't know what was going on there. Well, and like when Bill like confided in her about his son, I thought, well, is she going to somehow help because she has yeah. a background in psychology or anything like that? You know, maybe she could help give, in some way. Give him some advice, yeah. go see him or something. I don't but know. But it felt like she was just kind of a a listening ear, which was an odd choice too because it felt like she would have more insight. Yeah. Yeah, there was... Kind of wasted time with her. There were some things that I just... I did not enjoy about season two overall. There was no like... There was no scenes where I was like, oh, this is pointless or this is stupid or this is a waste of time. It's just an overall thing, like the direction of the season or the direction of certain storylines where I'm just kind of like, why did you do that? Right. Why do we spend so much time here versus some more interesting, Mm -hmm. yeah, storylines? It makes me wonder if there is going to be a season three because, oh my God, Netflix just keeps canceling everything. Really? It's just they're canceling things after two or three seasons Mm. and their algorithm is becoming like a mythological status where (laughs) it's just not, if you don't get an audience right away, then you're not worth it. And so they keep trying to, they're throwing money at new series to try to, um, keep people who are going to cancel or try to get new subscribers. And by doing that, they're kind of forsaking us right. who are loyal subscribers right. and have a handful of shows that we really like. Right. It's true. And, it's really uh, true. And yeah. And so like, that's the thing is that like, if they're like house of cards is off the air, thank goodness, but it's done. Th- house of cards is done. If Mindhunter doesn't get a season three and Santa Clarita is done, um, I'm blanking on some of our other favorites on Netflix, but like those are those were three big things that we we loved about Netflix. Mm-hmm. And there's so it's almost a thing where there's so much content that it's hard to break through the noise now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where something yeah. has to really stand like something has to be like a Stranger Things, right? Where it becomes a cultural phenomenon for us to even notice it. It's true. It's really true, which is unfortunate because I'm sure a lot of things go under the radar. Which also scares me about Mindhunter because, like, I have one friend who talks about Mindhunter mm. at, at, at work, and that's it. Where okay. Nobody else is, like, standing around the water cooler, like Game of Thrones or something like that. So if Netflix doesn't advertise it right, and no one's talking about it, then is the only reason why they're doing the show is because Fincher is a producer. It's possible. You know, like it's he, he's a he's a major player in Hollywood and they want to keep him happy for future projects. I don't know if that's the reason. Fine. Whatever it takes, <laughs> whatever it takes to get a season three, that's fine. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's just, yeah. Yeah, it just, it didn't have the same spark. Uh, it didn't excite us the same way that season one did. And I think it goes down to the fact that they, our our core group wasn't together. They were separated most of the time. And also um, the content was a lot, you know, they were, they were solving a case versus, you know, interviewing subjects. Trying to solve a case. Right. And not right. really exactly. making it happen. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think it's pretty clear how we felt about season two versus season one. Yeah. Are you still, I mean, are you still interested in season three? Yeah, I would still be interested in season three, but would I be as excited about it coming out? Probably not. Yeah. I think Unfortunately. there was, it was palpable when season one came out. Yeah. We were just like, this is going to be a great show. And it was. And then season two was coming out. We're just like, okay, we have reservations because of the content, but it has the same great team behind it. So this should be good. And now, you know, maybe they'll surprise us with season three. I mean, again, it wasn't like it was a bad season. It was not like it was. No, it's still like, I mean, I feel like it it held its standards. um, And I, I, I like the show. I just felt like I liked season one more. Absolutely. And and the thing is, is that when you drop a season at once and you binge it over one weekend, mm-hmm. it's not so much like, oh, I like this episode more than that episode. It's just like you start comparing seasons you instead do. of episodes. You do. Absolutely. That's just how it is now. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was our show. That was our review of season two of Mindhunter. That was our discussion. Let us know what you think. Yeah, please. Uh, we talked about it at the top of the show of where you can go and what you can do. Please let us know. You can find me personally on Twitter at the Insane Robin. Make sure to find us on uh, the show on Twitter as well at, at Join Nerd Party and uh, Instagram and Facebook as well. And there's so many different things on the network for you guys to check out. Go to the nerdparty.com. If you want to check out our uh, backlogged episodes, go to thenerdparty.com slash nerdnuptial. But also we've got a Harry Potter show. We've got a Doctor Who show. We've got multiple Star Wars and Star Trek shows and film shows. It's just there's something for everyone at thenerdparty.com. I love you. I know. Scully? Yes? Marry me. I love you and I like you. I love you and I like you. I love that woman. I love her more than sharks love blood. I love you. You don't.